Fantasy football is back, and you don't want your team to suck. My favorite fantasy football punishment I've ever heard is the last place guy had to spend 24 hours in a waffle house, and every <laughs> waffle he ate was one hour off of his count. I want numbers. How many did he end up eating? 12 waffles in 12 hours. <laughs> I'm Danny Heifetz. I'm Danny Kelly. And I'm Craig Horlbeck. We host the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. To avoid eating 12 waffles in a waffle house, follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, TheRinger.com, and The Ringer Podcast Network, where we announced a couple new podcasts I'm pumped about. One of them is called The Full Go Chicago. Yeah, congratulations. We're giving you your own podcast. Jason Goff is the host. You might remember he came on last week. We kind of hinted something was going on, but uh, this podcast will be modeled after uh, J.J. Jastrzemski's just award-winning New York, New York podcast where he covers the New York sports scene. Jason is going to be diving in to the Chicago scene. Justin Fields, Zach Levine, the White Sox playoff run, you name it. He's really talented. You heard it last week. Uh, very excited for that one. And we launched a Ringer Gambling Show. So remember Warren Sharp and House? They're on on Sunday. That podcast is moving off the Ringer NFL feed along with the, uh, the other Sharp podcast that he was doing with Chris Vernon. And we're adding a new podcast with Sharp and Ben Solak, who we just signed to the Ringer a few weeks ago. That's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Hardcore gambling stuff. Uh, Sharp will be on all three of those pods. And then on Friday, you get to listen to House's Terrible Picks and go against them. So that is happening as well. You can, right now, you can subscribe on Spotify for free. You can sign up on Apple, same thing. Um, and you can get it in time for when the feed launches next week. The Chicago feed's not launching uh, at least for another week, so I will give you a heads up when that's going. And then the third thing to watch out for, on Friday, we're launching a third feed. This one I already told you about. This is with Ariel Hawani and uh, some of the MMA stuff he's doing and a few other things that's going to be on there. You might see Chuck Minnenhall and Pete C. Carroll on there talking MMA. It's called Ringer Fight Night. And we're going to be doing these green rooms with Ariel and Chuck and Pizzi before and after giant MMA events, almost always UFC. But we're going to be doing it this weekend. They're going to be in green room on Friday for the weigh-ins. 
And then right after the card on Saturday night in green room, and you can go in, you can interact with them. As soon as it's over, we flip it into a podcast. We put it right on the Ringer Fight Night feed. So that one, I think that feed goes live on Friday if you're listening to this. So you can uh, follow it on Spotify, follow it on Apple, jump on. Every time we have a new pod on that feed, that's where it'll be. Ariel might have some breaking news stuff over the course of the year too that he puts up on there. And then anytime there's a boxing match that we care about, we, we're going to rope Kevin Clark into doing some some boxing stuff as well. Unfortunately, there's been less boxing uh, stuff that we've cared about these days. But anytime that happens, Kevin Clark is ready. We'll have some guests. I might even pop on that pod for a while. So check it out. Ringer Fight Night. And that's it. So we got the full go, Chicago. Ringer Gambling Show. NFL for now. We're going to add some NBA to that. And then finally, last piece, uh, Ringer Fight Night. So three for you heading into this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful football season. Don't forget about the ringer.com, the, our fantasy football draft guide, which is awesome. The fantasy football podcast as well. I went on that fantasy football podcast and did my 12 guys that I broke up with. So that's on there if you want to listen to it. I also went on Ryan Rosillo's podcast uh, on Thursday today because I wanted to talk about Ben Simmons. I knew I had this podcast stacked because coming up Peyton Manning and then Danny Kelly and Mina Kimes together talking about the, the upcoming season. So I knew I was doing all football, but I really want to talk about Ben Simmons. So I invited myself on Rosillo. And if you want to hear us talk about Ben Simmons, go to the Ryan Rosillo podcast. You can hear that. All right. That's enough foreplay coming up. Peyton Manning and then Danny Kelly and Mina Kimes. First, our friends, ironically, because two Seattle guests in this podcast from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, Peyton Manning's here. He took the Super Bowl from me in January 2007. Uh, we had, I think, a 20-point lead. Came back. We screwed up a third and three. You end up beating Rex Grossman. I'm still mad about it, but I said, after 15 years, I was going to forgive you and have you on. So here you are. Thanks for coming on. Do you recall, Bill, they had 12 people in the huddle, and they started in first and 10, back to first and 15, if it wasn't for that five-yard penalty, that third and three is converted. So blame the 12th guy in the huddle for that Super Bowl missed so, opportunity. Sounds like a coaching mistake. It sounds like Belichick. He should be hung on him a little bit more. Like I, like I said, very unpatriot-like. Uh, 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 you know, even in the AFC Championship, even for the Patriots, you can only play with 11 uh, on offense. That's, that's still the rule. Do you look like you ended up winning too? Do you look at this stuff? where the over-under for what you could have won with football, it's such a weird sport sometimes where sometimes it really comes down to one play, right? It's like the Pats get that third and three, you don't win a Super Bowl that year. You have other years where it's like, if this one play happens, you probably win the Super Bowl that year. What what was the right over-under for you, do you think, when you look back? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I played 18 years, as I tell people, uh, only started two off seasons in a good mood, right? Uh, the, uh, the others, you're pretty, you're pretty disappointed. Uh, I always say there's kind of this argument, Bill, would you rather go eight and eight and you win your last three regular season games and that last game in the locker room? I mean, it's kind of exciting. People are high-fiving because 
hey, you know, we won three in a row and we got some momentum. But the fact is the season's over and you really weren't very good, right? You were eight and eight. Or do you go 13 and three and you just kick butt all season and then you get beat on a 45-yard field goal with two seconds left in a playoff game and it rips your heart and guts out? Which one would you rather have? Would you rather be excited in the locker room or would you rather have your heart ripped out? I'd rather have my heart ripped out because that means we're closer, right? We're knocking on the door. We're doing something right. Let's try to tighten the screws even more for next year. And so that was kind of the thing for us, right? We were doing something right. We we couldn't beat New England and Foxborough. You know, we had a brutal uh, home loss to the Steelers and, so those are three right there that you know, we felt like we had a Super Bowl winning team. As you know, in the playoffs, Bill, not to make comparisons, but playoff games are all seventh game elimination games, right? You can't yeah. be off for a couple of games and still win the series. You better be on that day. If you're not, you're probably going home. So the teams that beat us deserve to beat us. They were better that day. Uh, but when you win the Super Bowl, it makes it that much more gratifying because you know how hard it is to get there. Was it everything you thought it was going to be? I mean, it's been a million years. It was February 2007. Yeah. It's 15 years ago, but it was everything. You, it checked every box? No, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that uh, that we were in Indianapolis and starting there in 98 and just sort of this rebuild from the ground up with a lot of pieces, right? Bill Polian, Edgerman James, Marvin Harrison, uh, just a complete uh, startup, uh, if you will. And to, uh, you know, to, to kind of do it in that fashion, right, to, you know, to beat the Patriots who had had our number in the playoffs at home in Indy. I, I still can remember the electricity in the city that night. It was, you know, Indianapolis's first, uh, you know, world championship. And I feel like the fans, including the players, Bill, we really felt like we were going to win the Super Bowl just because we had beaten New England. We're like, if we can beat this team. Like there's no stopping us now, and the rain tried tried to stop us, but uh, right. just uh, uh, we were certainly on a um, on a confidence and emotional high going into that Super Bowl. To have the kind of career you had, do you have to get kicked in the nuts a couple times in that first third of the career and have some some brutal losses because? it kind of teaches you when you're waking up at five in the morning and all that shit. Like had you, had you won in the first, let's say three, four years, how does that change the course of your career? Or does it, does it, is it the same? No, I think you certainly, uh, um, I think you certainly have a good point. I mean, my first year, you know, we went three and 13 and my second year we went 13 and three. I remember Jim Moore, our head coach, uh, just saying, don't ever take winning for granted. Right. Because it's hard to win one game in the NFL. Now you got to win almost 12 to get into the playoffs, especially maybe 13 with the 17 game season. Then you get in the playoffs, you better win each playoff game you're playing against great teams. So I think I learned early on that winning is hard. Don't ever take it for granted. But I used to tell like some of our rookies that were coming in and like their first season, like we go 14 and two, right? Then we follow it up with 13 and three. I go, I just have to tell you, this is not normal. Right? This is not how it is, right? This is yeah. not really the introduction to the NFL. But when you do that, right, or when you play for the Patriots and you win Super Bowls, it does be kind of uh, 
uh, become the norm, but it's not, right? It's different. Um, yeah, look, Bill, the, the four Super Bowls I got to play in, we had devastating losses the season before in playoff games we probably could have won. Devastating. And the kind of games that probably could have broken up the band, right? And we got to mm. make a bunch of changes. We got to get rid of him. We got to get a new leader. And we didn't do that. You know, we, we, we kind of stayed the course and kept the same players and uh, just sort of, like I said, worked a little harder maybe, if that was even possible. Uh, had a few more breaks and we got over the hump the next year to get back to the big game. So then Eli comes into the league and like in his third year, he just runs the slate and wins four playoff games where you're like, what the hell? Right. It took no, me exactly. nine years. I mean, How dare you? Yeah. Getting, getting home field way overrated, right? <laughs> getting a buy. Who needs it? Right. You go to Tampa, you go to Dallas, you go to green Bay and negative 20 degrees and Tom Coughlin's face is freezing off. You beat Brett Farm. Like it's isn't hard. What's the big deal? So yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was that was typical Eli, right? Just making it look pretty easy, and uh, uh, that was that was a fun year. Uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, we weren't in the Super Bowl that year, but that one in 2011, I think everybody in our family feels like you're a part of that. So right, uh, it was it was a fun run there. The um, you're doing the Monday Night Football thing with them, which we're going to talk about in a second, and you guys are obviously close, but you're also the quarterbacks of these teams overlapping for over a decade there. Yeah. And it's like being the pilot of an airplane. You don't have a lot of time to worry about some other pilot on another airplane, but like how much did you guys talk during that stretch? Did you watch giants games? Like, did you feel like you had to be there for him as the older brother? Or was it just like you tried not to think about it because it was too big of a distraction? Yeah, it's funny. I, I mean, I think we tried to lean on each other, tell you the truth. Uh, certainly when playing common opponents, Bill, we used to share a lot of information, right? Mm. If we were playing the Cowboys. I mean, that's the first call I'm making. Hey, e, you know, what was y'all's thought on DeMarcus? You know, what do you think that they're kind of they're thinking on third down? That's so, a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to have a sibling in the same business as you <laughs> in any field. And, uh, you know, we, we, we work out together maybe once or twice in the offseason, usually around our high school football camp you know, talk about some concepts or some things we're working on. So, uh, you know, really tried to pull for each other. Uh, Bill played against them three times. That was really not that much fun. You know, I remember when the Harbaugh's played against each other in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I think about if that would have happened for me and Eli, that would have been probably pretty miserable because I've been on both sides of it. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And when you don't win it, it hurts as much as you think it was. And so that would have bothered one of us that the other is feeling that way. Uh, I did have, uh, on occasion, have to turn the game off because I remember we had like a Sunday night game, right? So I'm watching his 1 o'clock kickoff in the hotel in Minnesota or Seattle. I can't remember where we were. And, you know, Plaxico runs the wrong route. Joe Buck is ripping Eli's face off. I am getting infuriated watching this game. I'm literally standing on my hotel room bed, yelling at the screen in a sweat. I'm like, you know what? I got a game here in three hours. I, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So, uh, yeah. I mean, when it's your brother, Bill, you got to pull hard for him. You know, yeah. you got to defend him and you got to fight for him like, like any brother would. Eli did the same thing to me. So it was a real treat. To, uh, to, to have that run together, you know, to be able to share ideas uh, and to pull hard for each other. What uh, 
I, I mean, everybody has a different answer for this. And usually the most common answer is I miss the locker room. I miss the guys. What yeah. do you miss the most about playing? Is it, is it that the locker room and the guys? Yeah. I miss the plane rides, you know, yeah. uh, uh, 53 players, uh, on a, on a flight together, uh, 53 of your friends after a hard fought victory in Pittsburgh. And you got an hour, 25 minute flight back to Indianapolis. I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, and you never are going to get to do that again. You never get to fly on a plane with 53 guys that you just, uh, been in this hard fought victory with. And, uh, uh, the adrenaline, the emotion, golly, it was, uh, it, you just can't describe it. Uh, I tell people, Bill, that, Next time you're on that commercial flight, you probably don't fly commercial, Bill, but the rest of us fly <laughs> uh, with the people. When that flight attendant says that this plane cannot take off, so everybody is seated and your cell phones are turned off, that is not true. Okay? Yeah. That is that, that is a lie because after an NFL game, every player is on their feet. They're high-fiving. They're recapping the game. They're calling home, and the plane takes off just fine. So maybe not street legal, but – it's a fact. So yeah. Uh, but the answer to your question is, yeah, I, I miss the guys. You miss the locker room. You, know, you get to see them every day. We still keep in touch, right? We're on a group yeah. text with some Colts, with some Broncos. I saw them all in Canton, which was awesome. That was the best part about it. Getting to celebrate with high school teammates, uh, friends, college, uh, you know, ten, uh, Colts, Broncos, but uh, being together every day uh, was certainly special. How aware as a player, are you of the media narratives and all that stuff? I mean, it's much tougher now in the Twitter era. And I think you look at the, like basically the 25 and under quarterbacks, even the five rookies we have, they've grown up with their phones and looking at their phones and constant feedback and texting and all this stuff. Were you able to shut that out? Like the stuff like the Manning versus Brady, when that really became a thing, are you even aware of it or you don't care? No, I mean, look, you're certainly aware of it. Uh, but you know, I mean, it just can't take you away from what you what you need to be doing, right? I mean, studying the film, uh, watching the practice film, talking to the receivers, and I think the teams that can that can block out the noise. Uh, yeah, you know, certainly social media is a huge part of it, but I mean, we can't be checking that when we should be in the playbook, right? Right. Missing a missing a blitz read or missing a blocking assignment. So, you know, I think the, I think the good players out there have it figured out. You know, it, it, sort of have a time for each of it. But uh, yeah, for me, yeah, I mean, you're certainly aware of it, but at the same time, it's, it's easy to focus on the team you're playing, um, you know, each week. You must, the thing that must drive you crazy, I'm guessing, is how easy it is to be a quarterback in some ways in 2021 with the way they've changed some of the rules. I mean, <laughs> you were, you come up in the last era of quarterbacks can still really get crushed. Wide receivers going over the middle, be careful. Um, there's throws you just weren't able to make because you might be leading a wide receiver into a concussion, you know, and now you look at it, the game's so much more wide open. The offenses are so much more innovative and everything is geared toward these quarterbacks. We've guys thrown for 5,000 yards that you never would have guessed would be 5,000 yards. When you're watching, how do you get frustrated? Like what, what, are, what do you think about no, as you watch this? Yeah, no, I don't get frustrated. I, I'm a fan and, uh, uh, I pull hard for quarterbacks. I pull hard for the game. My dad kind of taught me that, that, you know, you hear about guys that have that bitter feeling, you mm. know, 
I was so much better than that guy. You know, you know I would have done this if I was playing in this system. Um, I've never had that feeling before. Uh, I like how the game has evolved. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool that you, you got NFL coaches now that are copying college playbooks, right? Yeah. Because Pat Mahomes ran that play at Texas Tech. He obviously likes that play, and you know he's comfortable with it. You know, maybe we can put that play in our Chiefs offense. Whereas, like, kind of back when I was playing, like, no, 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 absolutely not. You know, an NFL team is not going to, you know, copy off a college team. Like, that's right. beneath us. Now, the good coaches are figuring it out. Hey, what's the best way to make Baker Mayfield more comfortable, right? To make Russell Wilson more comfortable, find things that he likes. And sometimes that's kind of following what they did in college. And so I think it's great. Uh, it's still hard to play quarterback. Um, yes. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. I got, you know, it's look, when you play quarterback, Bill, you sign up for all of it, right? Some, some people think you just sign up for the parades and the confetti, but you sign up to, to, to have that three interception game on a Sunday and bounce back the next week. You sign up to face the media, to face the music each week. And so I got a lot of respect for all those guys playing. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot this year because, my new hero, Mac Jones, um, comes in with the Pats <laughs> and he's checking all the boxes, right? Like he's great teammate. He wins the locker room immediately. You start seeing the quotes from some of the other guys. He's doing the offensive linemen, get in trouble and they have to run laps. He runs the laps with them. It's all these things like that. I think you had too, where the quarterback isn't just the guy that throws the ball. There's this outsized wow. importance, what their role is to the team. And you're like the dad, you're the big brother, you're the friend, but they have to kind of feel like you're in there with them at all times. And it, it seems like he has that. Absolutely. I love, I love hearing that. And that doesn't really surprise you if you, you kind of knew anything about Jones coming out of Alabama. And obviously I think Belichick knew that because, you know, he had a great resource in, in his old, uh, assistant coach Nick Saban in the vetting yeah. process. But yeah, absolutely. As a rookie quarterback, I mean, your first objective and your first really goal should be to earn the respect of the people you're about to play with, the offensive line, right? The defense, the coaches, right? And, and you're not doing that by going in and giving a lot of pregame speeches, right? And, you know, calling the guys up. After. I mean, nobody wants to hear right. anything that you have to say as a 22 year old rookie. But if you're getting up from a blindside hit, you know, uh, uh, and you're taking responsibility for your play and your interviews, right? You're running with the offensive lineman. Now, all of a sudden, my 35-year-old right guard is a grown adult going, you know what? I like this kid. I'll fight for this kid. I'll block yep. a little longer for this kid. So, you know, some people miss that boat, right? It, it, you can't rush that process of earning that respect, right? It has to happen with a two-minute drill, right? With a uh, standing in the pocket, taking a tough hit. So uh, certainly I think Jones is on his way uh, to doing the right things. Is there a current QB that you feel kinship with that sees the game and handles his business a lot like you used to, like a proxy for you to when you're watching? No, I, I, I mean, I, um, it's hard to pick one guy. You know, obviously, Tom's uh, still representing the old guard. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of new, a lot of new players out there that are fun to watch. I mean, I really look. I mean, how can you not enjoy watching Mahomes play? I mean, he's just fun to watch. He, he's far right. I mean, 
I used to watch Favre growing up. Certainly when I got in the NFL, I mean, I always wanted to see Brett Favre, right? There's that great Randy Moss NFL films mic'd up moment. Hey, I'm going to watch Brett Favre, right? It's Brett yeah. Favre. I think Mahomes does the same thing. Josh Allen is is a exciting player. I, I think he's just got a great future. So, yeah, I really think the quarterback position is in good shape in the NFL, and, and it needs to be. We need to keep it in good shape. We need, you know, good college players coming out, being good mm. NFL players. It helps the whole system. So uh, I'm a fan of quarterbacks. I'm a defender of quarterbacks. I mean, one thing on this thing Eli and I are doing, I'd be hard-pressed to see us ever saying anything really negative about right, quarterback. Right, you can't. I mean, I, I'm going to yeah. – I'm going to say the safety made an unbelievable play before I say that was just a horrible decision by the quarterback because I know what it's like. I know how hard it is. Sometimes you just don't see those guys. So um, I think that's one thing that'll always be true. So when you're doing this thing with Eli, which I think is really cool, you're doing what? 10 games, right? We're doing 10 games. uh, You know, kind of the thing, uh, Bill, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Denver. Uh, uh, at a buddy's kind of garage cave, Eli's going to be in his base uh, in his back house in uh, Jersey. Uh, we're watching the game together, he and I. Which that's that's the coolest part. Number one, I haven't watched a Monday night football game with Eli since the fall of 1993, right in mm. New Orleans. Right? I mean, you talk about being busy once you get into college NFL Monday nights. You know, it's not a uh, Eli never flew to Indianapolis to watch a Monday night game with me when he was playing for the Giants. So, but he and I are kind of, it's like we're at a bar watching the game, Bill, and the viewer is kind of sitting down with us uh, watching. When the game is great, we will be on the game. We're probably not going to analyze the second and one running play that nobody really cares about, right? During that time, we're going to be telling a, a war story. We're going to have Charles Barkley on to, tell us why he didn't play college football, right? Yeah. You know, entertaining stuff. But if when the quarterback is talking to that uh, coach on the sideline, right, Eli and I are going to probably role play, and I'm going to tell you what the coach is saying to him, and Eli's going to tell me what the quarterback is saying back, right? I'm going to tell you what the what Gruden is saying in the Derek Carr, Carr's ear, and then Eli's going to tell you what Derek says to the actual huddle, right? So I think – Anytime you can take people behind the ropes, you certainly do it. But in a more casual uh, fashion, sitting at home, uh, watching the game, maybe having a cold beverage at the same time, like all football fans are doing. And you think um, Romo is ready? I watched a game with Romo once. Like he could, and he does this too when he does the TV stuff where he can kind of tell from the way the defense is set and the plays. It's like this weird quarterback thing, which I'm sure you have and I'm sure Eli has. How much are you going to tap into that where it's like, oh, shit, they're in nickel. It's third. Oh, he's watch this. The slot guy's coming across. Like, are you going to be tipping us off? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Tony has a great, great knack for that. And I, I would probably say that Tony and Chris Collinsworth are, you know, able to go to practice. They're probably having a little more access than maybe Eli and you I, and Eli I would, have. Yeah. I mean, the, the only reason Eli and I signed up for this is because we didn't have to fly uh to you know the uh, seattle for a game because you know i'm coaching my marshall's flag football team on saturday i gotta be there eli's an assistant coach on his daughter ava's lacrosse team he's gotta be there so what so, so this allows us to do both 
uh, Bill, to, 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 to be home on the weekends and then just to watch a game on Monday. So, yeah, I mean, I think certainly anytime you have some insight and you have an idea, you know, just like I would if I was watching the game at home, I'd say, you know, throw it to Grock here or, hey, run the ball here, right? You got two downs to score, whether, you know, um, I'm not going to try to beat Tony Romo because I think he's got a pretty special knack uh, for that. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of the Romo thing. It was something you were the, that was what you were known for more than anything was going up to the line, looking around, figuring out what the defense didn't want you to do and then doing it. So I would assume no, I, that still, that skill translates to a 85 inch TV. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it, it's two quarterbacks on it, but I got to tell you, I feel like quarterbacks understand defense as well as right. certain defensive players, right? That's the goal, right? I mean, I think Ed Reed, what made him so special is because he learned what the quarterback is looking for and he tried to do something different. He's like, I'm not going to do what Peyton wants me to do, right? Yeah. That's different. And so I was kind of the same way. Like, I know the, I mean, Tony Dungy, the, the best thing that he brought to me when he came in 2002 was he really taught me the defense. He's like, Peyton, these are their rules. This is what really bothers this defense. Okay. So think that way. Belichick, there's no doubt, has benefited Brady for that. Hey, Tom, this is the core integrity of this defense. These are the holes in it. Let's take advantage of that. So I think even though Eli and I both played quarterback, we can go into the defense's mind and kind of have that back and forth cat and mouse game. And so hopefully that'll be pretty interesting for people. And how to get the defense. No, exactly. How to attack it. And, and then, you know, look, what bothers the quarterback? What bothers the defense, right? It's uh, it's a two-way street. You mentioned Ed Reed. When the NFL was doing that NFL 100 stuff, and Belichick was on that show where he showed the Ed Reed play where Ed Reed faked you out and did the 180 turn for the interception. And Belichick, honestly, he was like having a football orgasm about it. He's like, that's the greatest play I've ever seen. Like he was like losing his mind. And that's the funniest thing with him is everybody thinks he's like this dead cyborg because of the press conferences, but the guy loves the actual football, the game, the stuff that goes with it. He could talk about that for like days and days and days. You got a taste of it even in that. Hey, I mean, when you get a compliment from Bill Belichick, like it, it, it means something. It matters because he's not really impressed by a lot of things, right? right. Only he's impressed by his own coaching success. He's like, this is what, this is what, what you're supposed to do. I, I remember sitting on the bus with him at a Pro Bowl one time. And, you know, I loved hearing about the old you know, days when he was a D coordinator. And I'm like, you know, uh, Bill, what was it like? You know, Joe Montana. He's like, well, you know, I mean, you got Jerry Rice on these little short drag routes. Like, how hard is it to complete it to him? Like, you know, it's not that hard. How about Jim <laughs> Kelly in the in, in the cake gun off? Well, I mean, you got Thurman there. You got, you know, but I mean, it's, I'm like, don't ever ask Belichick what he thinks of me because I don't want to hear it. Like, ah, you know, not that hard when you got Edgerton James and Marvin Harrison. So, when he, when he compliments Ed Reed, that tells you how special of a player he thinks Ed Reed is, right? And yeah. he means it. And so uh, it was great. The, uh, uh, Bill came to uh, Canton to see Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cower inducted on Saturday night. And I'm sitting there uh, getting ready to, to watch the next speaker. Harry Carson comes and grabs me and says, hey, come with me backstage backstage. Uh, Somebody wants to see, uh, and it was it was Bill uh, Belichick that, that just wanted to 
shake my hand and congratulate me in person. Uh, So that meant a lot. You know, certainly had a lot of battles against them, but certainly great respect as well. Yeah, I mean, that that could almost be a football documentary, you versus Belichick, how that evolved (laughs) over the years. Like, he definitely, I think the Pats felt like they kind of had the Colts number there. And then it just flipped. And then all of a sudden you were, you know, putting up 38, 40 points against us. I didn't it's, like it. I'll just tell you, I didn't like that stage of the rivalry that much. <laughs> it's funny, Bill, because like, you know, when I obviously always wanted to play for the team that drafted me, I think any player should. That should be the goal. You get hurt. You miss an entire season. Things happen. You got to go find somewhere else to play. And I remember visiting, like talking with the 49ers and talking with Seattle. And I was talking to the Cardinals. And kind of like the whole recurring theme in my mind is like, like I, I'm just an AFC guy. I, I, I just think I should stay in the AFC. And it's like, you know, if you're a fan, you're like, why would you not? Why would you get away? Please get away from the Patriots, right? right. You know, go play in the NFC. And uh, I don't know. It's just like, you know, if you're going to get to the Super Bowl, uh, you're going to have to go through New England. So might as well just just play them in the in the AFC Championship every year, and then have a chance to beat them in the to win the Super Bowl. So uh, I feel like New England, you know, had a little bit of a role in my decision to stay in the AFC, believe it or not, and go to Denver. And of course, we end up playing them in two uh, AFC Championships: Denver versus the Patriots. We almost had you in that second one. <laughs> to Gronk, like fourth and ten. Oh man. I'm on the I team. Like the, I don't know if you knew Peyton, yeah. but I, this team's I, been in my life my whole life. I'm on the team. I, just, I thought, I mean, I was maybe that was you covering Welker. I knew there was one guy shorter than Welker out there. So now that I think about it, maybe that was I you. was there spiritually. They needed my energy. <laughs> they needed my positivity. Um, Got it. What, what age for Brady becomes ridiculous for him to still be a quarterback for you? Because I would have said I, I, 44, but they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> but it's like, is 48 ridiculous? 50? Like, I, what What number is it? I, I think we've passed it, to tell you the truth. I mean, that's what Tom uh, has done. Uh, just a, And he deserves all the credit. I know he's going to talk about people that have helped him along the way, but he has uh, flat done it, kept himself healthy, and uh, it, it's it's extremely impressive. Hey, I, I don't know if you, if you listened to my, to my uh, uh, speech in Canton, but, it, you know, there was some booing going on at Brady when I kind of referenced him, which is, mm. it's going to be important for him to get ready to hear those boos in New England. Bill, that'll be <laughs> up to you, right? Are you going to lead that or are you going to defend No, we, but, we would never boo Tom Brady. But, okay, we'll see. We'll see. My, but my note in there was that when Tom Brady gets inducted into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot in 2035, that <laughs> was my line. I, I think some people missed that. But yeah, that's a good I, joke. You know, it, Am I that point? Well, yeah, it's, it's it's only funny when you get it on the spot and not you know three weeks later. But thank you. But you know, does he play nine more years to go to two thousand thirty? It wouldn't surprise me. So uh, I don't know what to believe anymore. I mean, I felt like you could have played in your forties if you hadn't had the neck thing. Ultimately, if you if you had somehow been able to keep your body, you would have done all the training stuff and the physical stuff to keep you there. But you actually had a thing that Brady's never had to do with. You had like a real this thing and the whole neck thing. Yeah. Yeah. I had, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, my brother Cooper had to stop playing. Uh, he was a receiver at Ole Miss, had neck problems, uh, and had to give up his career just like that. It was, it was terrible, right? When you grow up, you know, with your dad playing and you have a chance to play and just on a Wednesday when they tell you it's over, uh, 
it was tough, and the way he handled it was, was, was extremely uh, impressive. But I remember at the time I was a junior in high school. Eli would have been in sixth grade. They kind of checked out my neck and Eli's neck, and to, to be sure there wasn't some kind of you know some issue there that maybe they hadn't discovered yet. And I remember them just saying that, "Hey, your neck's not." It's not perfect by any means, but but you're okay to you're okay to keep playing. But like mm. this, it's almost like they're saying, let's just kind of keep an eye on it. So in a lot of ways, I had this unbelievable string of health. But like when I had my neck problems in 2011, it, it was almost like it, it, you know, boy, I've had this unbelievable run from '94 to '11 without any neck problems, but now yeah. they're here. So then I was able to manage them for four years, and then you know, 2015. I mean, I mean, when you can't do certain things that you used to do, uh, you know, it, it's just time probably to move on. And also, yeah. it was important to me, Bill, to leave feeling good, right? Some people wait till they feel bad to leave. You know, I still feel pretty good, right? It worked out today and going to be at flag practice this afternoon. I, I think if you hang on maybe longer than you should, sometimes that's not the case. Quick things, then we're going to go. You didn't end up doing the actual like Monday Night Football or any of those other jobs because of the travel. You somehow waited. Technology moved to you. Now you don't have to go anywhere and you get to announce games anyway. So kudos to you for that. I thought that was smart. Very well played. I'm looking forward to watching that on uh, ESPN2, all the other places. Uh, the commissioner stuff that started with you, like someday, could it be that? Yeah. Where Where did this come from? Is there any validity <laughs> to it? Is it something you'd want to do? It doesn't seem like your kind of thing. I, I, I don't I, I don't know where that came from. That, that was so far off my radar. You know, the only thing I was thinking about in that speech was a being on time, right? Because I already said, hey, you know, going to mm. be six minutes, right? And um, you know, like like I said, all the people that, that I wanted to thank were there, right? And I got to hug them all after the event, so I didn't have to say their names. And so, you got to have something else to say. So I said, let's let's just talk about the game. Let's talk about yeah. football. Let's talk about youth football. So look, I said this the other day in a in a in an interview with Bob Costas that I think if the NFL is lucky, Roger Goodell does it for another twenty years. I know he takes his his bullets, but he's been great for the game. So uh, you know. I don't know what you call it, fan of the game, ambassador of the game. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be. A, I don't want to be a critic. Um, uh, I, I want to be a, a supporter of it, and I kind of want to stay on the player side. You know, Eli and I, I think, will be speaking from the player side on this ESPN two broadcast, right? Even though we don't play anymore, I don't know. You still feel like you're a player by kind of staying on the player fan side. So um, you wouldn't want all the fun. travel. The commissioner travels too much. You're not doing that. I, so not, you're, you're on planes yeah. constantly. You're dealing with a bunch of rich billionaire assholes. You're not, you're not ever doing yeah. that. No, I don't I see that. See Com- Commissioner Goodell has not flown with strangers in a long time. He flies, <laughs> he, he flies in a very nice airplane. So no, no interest well, that's whatsoever. When he suspended Brady for four games, I'm sure you guys were on a text cheerleading each other. I'm sure you, I'm sure you love that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I was a big part of that for sure. No doubt about it. Wait, before we go, can we talk about Mora really quick and what you're doing with that? Yes. Uh, Mara Mant, uh, uh, was such a great friend to me, Bill, uh, and me. like a, this, she was this advisor to me on like all things. Right. I mean, I, I didn't call her about, uh, how to break down a cover two defense, but I said, Hey, should I do this? interview does that make sense or you know what do you think of this idea I don't, it was just and she was available any time of the day or night right i mean 
2 a.m. in New York. She's getting back to you. And just, um, I don't know, I still have her phone number in my phone. I, I see her name, and I, I just uh, I want to send her a text because because uh, uh, I want her to respond. Anyway, she, she we've lost her way too early, and um, we started a scholarship in her name uh, at NYU, a film school scholarship. It'll start in 2022 it's a it's a it's a two-way deal it it, it pays great tribute to her for her love of of film she loved new york so nyu was a great place and it's allowing someone to have some of the same opportunities that she had so a lot of people have contributed to it bill uh uh certainly appreciate your gift and uh, it's been a combination of people like you know russell wilson jj watt paul rudd all these people that Mara knew and impacted, right? And I always, you know, used to give Mara a hard time, you know, she's the all-time name dropper, but she's like, it's not really name dropping because I know them. Like, I know them. I'm like, you know what? You're right. It's not a name drop. So anyway, thanks for bringing that up. And uh, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a special way to honor her. And we got a big celebration of life coming up for her September 13th. Uh, actually, Eli and I are both going to the celebration and we're doing our first show in New York uh, we're going to be together because we're going to both be coming from Mara's celebration. Oh, wow. Well, I love that you did it. And she was one of a kind. I mean, definitely a character out of a movie or a TV show. And uh, no doubt. I think everybody Amen. that everybody that dealt with her and did anything with her, like she was just indelible. So I think that's really no cool. Congrats on that. I was I was happy to Thank be uh, no, involved at least it. a little bit. Good luck with uh, good luck with Eli. Good luck with this TV thing. I hope you like it. I hope you keep doing it. I can't wait to watch. Thank you, Bill. Thanks All for right. having me. Thanks for coming on. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right, first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, we can't say this is the greatest moment in Seattle sports history because the Seahawks <laughs> won a Super Bowl, and so did the Sonics, the, the nearly departed Sonics in mm. 1979. I think the Mariners won 118 games once or some high numbers. That's probably up there. 116. Yeah, I think. It's not like there haven't been some good Seattle moments, but I think this is in the top 10. Da Danny Kelly and Mina Kimes together on the BS podcast. What a day. What a day for Seattle. <laughs> so happy huge. to have both of you. 
So does this mean we're going to spend 80% of the time talking about the Seahawks instead of the Patriots? Is that where this is going? I, I can't do more Mac Jones. I think my audience is going to rebel. No. They know. Yeah, they, they know. No. My audience gets it. We're, Kyle and I are excited for Mac Jones. They get it. The <laughs> Seattle's a good way to start, though, for because I wanted to talk about three divisions and MVP. So let's let's we'll go out of order. The NFC West. It's a really fun division. Everybody has a take on all three of these teams. I think we all feel like are going to probably make the playoffs. And then everybody has a take for a who's going to win the division, B who has the highest upside, and then C who's like the most logical Super Bowl pick. So Mina, you're biased. Danny, you're biased. Mina, I'll start with you. Who do you <laughs> who do you like out of this division? Make a case. Well, I'm I'm biased. I think in multiple ways. I know when it comes to the NFC West. Um, I think all three, so the three teams are, I assume you're alluding to, are Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm out on Cliff. I I thought Cliff committed some crimes against coaching last year. I cannot support him as a playoff coach. Um, Cliff jumping. I think the Cardinals are feisty. They're they're still a feisty team. There's still Mm -hmm. some intrigue there. We could be looking, you know, I I mean, we'll see. I I think generally the NFC West is the undisputed best division Wait, you were going to say it. Were you going to say four playoff teams out of one division? It felt like you almost wanted to say it. You caught me. How did you? You saw me. You saw me steering the the car around (laughs) mid-take. I thought I was too good at that now. That's something you got to learn how to do is check yourself before you say like what the producers want you to say, the spicy Mm. thing. I think there are four playoff caliber teams in wow. this division. Wow. Wow. I know. Danny. Danny, you weren't um, expecting that. <laughs> I don't I don't have the Cardinals in though. When I when I go through the NFC, I don't have them in. But um it, right now I'm leaning Rams slight edge over Seattle, but I think it, they could totally go either way. What do you have, Danny? I got the Rams. I just think that I'm Stafford in that offense. Um is going to just unlock so many different things for them. And I mean, this this has been one of the better offenses in the NFL, especially in 2018, 2019. Legitimately high-flying, high-octane, and that was with Jared Goff under center. And so getting a guy like Stafford in there, I think could have massive repercussions for the rest of the teams in this division. However, they are losing the defensive coordinator. You know, they lost a few key players on defense. So how that balances out, I'm not quite sure. I You know, I think that it's going to be a situation where it's probably like the Rams win 12, the, the Seahawks win 11, the 49ers win 11, and it's just a really we, tight race. We know this is going to come down to some weird-ass Rams-Seahawks game <laughs> with yeah. a final drive and a field goal that's going to go, probably Seattle's driving, to be clear, because right. every Seattle game ends this way. We already know that, and it's going to be one game that decides it. No question. You could, well, you can get your scoregami. Get your scoregami in here, Mina. Yeah, you could. Week 18, we got Niners at Rams, Seattle at Cardinals. What's interesting, on FanDuel, usually there's at least one favorite that's close to even odds. Right now, it's Niners plus 190, Rams 2-1, to and Seahawks plus 280. So if you really like one of those, like you're getting 2-1 to odds or better. Like I actually was surprised by the Seahawks odds. I thought plus 280 seemed pretty high. I would have had them all next to each other. I also like the Rams the most. But I think the Niners are probably weirdly the safest bet because of the bounce back and the easier schedule, stuff like that. The Rams, not the, the lack of depth does worry me. I think they're not the only team that could say that, but they really are all in with what, like 15 guys, <laughs> 17 guys. Yeah. And then just kind of playing whack-a-ball at all the other places. I worry about their receiving depth. 
We, do we think Atwell's really? going to be good? What do we think of him? Um, I think they've got pretty good receiving depth, actually. I mean, I'm, so Atwell's one it. of the... He was one of the few players I actually got to watch in the Rams preseason who might play, which, you know, Sean McVay and his whole tree now. Matt LaFleur doesn't do it. Yep. Uh, the Tennessee, like, they, they don't, he doesn't play anyone. But uh, I did get to see Atwell, who is approximately my size. Believe we are about <laughs> the same size. Um, and he looked... He They gave him a ton of reps. He's a returner, too. And basically, I think the strategy there, drafting him, was they they need a vertical threat. They signed Deshaun Jackson. They know Deshaun Jackson is probably not going to play 18 games. I'm and not counting him. So Atwell, in my mind, is Jackson Insurance, and the speed is as advertised. But um, I would I think when I say they have depth behind Woods and Cup, who are like yes, you know, old reliables. Van Jefferson was kind of quiet last year. I think. He is probably him and Deshaun Jackson are both wide receiver three. Um, so that's five starting caliber guys. Like to me, the depth concern with the Rams would be the offensive line. Cause I said, I mean, Whitworth is like 50 now, 39, I think, or something, but he's really old and um, just not a lot of depth there. And then on the other side of the football, not clear other than Leonard Floyd, who's rushing the passer. There's some names in the mix. And then you alluded to it. A lot of guys left in the secondary. So there's players who have not played a lot, like David Long, for example, who are going to have to step up. Danny, Mina just said Deshaun Jackson is still a viable starting receiver. I just wanted to make <laughs> yeah. sure you caught that. <laughs> wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one that heard that. I'm, I'm writing Deshaun out. I'm done. I'm done there's on some, Deshaun. There's some buzz in him, on him on, in the preseason so I'm sure far, there is. Yeah. There's buzz every year. Then, <laughs> then he has one catch for four yards, and then he's hurt for a month and a half. His mom is going to come for you. She's feisty on Twitter. And her, and her handle is Deshaun Jackson's mom, so you know it's her. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That sounds terrifying. I The Rams, to me, fit that profile, Danny, of there was something wrong with you the year before, and now you've fixed it with an above-average solution, right? Like the Chargers are another example. They had a coach that seems like an awesome guy, but I'm not sure he's the head coach. And now you bring in Staley, who actually has a chance to be like a really good coach, and you know their defense could be much better. And it's just like, that's a tangible, this should be worth two, three wins. Mm-hmm. Stafford for Goff, if Stafford could just stay on the field for four months with McVay, that's got to be worth four wins, three wins, four wins. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm actually going a little overboard with my Stafford love just because I think there's some people out there that that feel like he's always just been overrated throughout his career. But I, just, I like that. That's a good zag with him. I don't know. I just feel like the way that he, and I think this is the actual language that McVay has used, like he can activate every part of that playbook, every part of the offense, all three levels, the things that they can do with play action. I mean, Stafford is so good, has been so good on play action. He gives his receivers a chance. And I think, honestly, just like listening to Flying Coach and, and just the, the interviews that we've heard in the media with McVay, like he is good so plug. excited. He's so plug, excited. Yeah. Seamless. <laughs> Thank yeah. You. Um, he's just so excited to to have a quarterback that can like run his offense. By the way, I'm I'm going down. My take on the year is like, McVeigh, and I'm not like the only one that says this, but I think McVeigh wants to remind everybody that he is like still the league's preeminent genius. Like Ooh. Shanahan, whatever, that's fine. We get it. Like Lafleur, that's good. I'm the guy. Like I'm the reason. Lafleur. Uh, I keep wanting to say McFleur. Lafleur has a job. So I don't know. I'm just like this is. Think, the, so you think it's like a little too much Shanahan love for him? This is like revenge. She's like, yeah, oh great, you platoon Trey Lance and Jimmy G for a series, and everybody loses their minds. Yeah, that's, the that's, Lance Jimmy thing is way more 
strange and innovative and could potentially combust, but also could potentially destroy worlds. I feel like that's in terms of just like coaching innovation and like Shanahan is going to show out in such a big way with Trey Lance, regardless of what you think about Trey Lance, by the way, that's not an assessment of him. It's more (laughs) what Shanahan has shown he can do with a run game. And now that he's got a dual threat Mm. quarterback, I feel like that's going to be really hard for McVay to top. I don't see the Trey Lance thing as like a real person for this year. Like I watched, I think two of the preseasons. Did you watch the third one? I saw the third one. I saw the first quarter of the third one when they did the platoon thing. I just think he's raw. I think I'm not saying like upside wise, he's not going to get there, but I don't think he's played like a ton of football. And I was watching his throws and like throwing eight yard passes, 200 miles an hour. And I just feel like Jimmy G is going to be the guy for them. And they'll use Lance a little Taysom Hillish, but Mm. ultimately I I don't see Lance. I think it's going to be Jimmy G this year because they have a, a real chance to make a Super Bowl. This isn't the year to like experiment with your young guy who might not be ready yet, unless he's like transcended out of the gate, which I just didn't see. You seem like you disagree, Mina. Well, I, I think he's such a good runner that some of the erratic passing, it's erratic because at times he'll, he'll throw these balls with like beautiful touch. I think in week one, he had that bomb. It was like a deep over to Sherfield. Um, and you see like, the goods, but then the fastballs come out. And I think uh, Shanahan knows that and he's nervous and he wants to get him reps. But when he's under center or in the gun and he is a threat to run, it's so hard to stop. I mean, they're on that drive. They had him in. Mm. Um, they had a couple plays. There was a touchdown, which he could have run from. It was just a simple zone read, but it could have been from anywhere on the field and would have scored. But there was one earlier where Raheem Mostert, who's also like one of the fastest running backs in the league, it was a counter bash concept. So the the guards pull, Trey follows them. Uh, Mostert runs away, keeps, and he gets the first down. But if you watch Trey Lance on that play, he could have run eighty yards, <laughs> and you realize that that is the nightmare yeah. situation. Like Bill, think how good the Niners' run game has been with Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Like, they, there were plays in the playoffs and during that Super Bowl run where they ran, like, eight straight runs. Now imagine Jimmy Garoppolo is, like, one of the three best running quarterback running quarterbacks in football. Like, it's just a nightmare. I she get it. Yeah. I've just never... I'm older than both of you. I've never seen the platoon thing it's true. really work. It, it's, it has not. It's this is, goes back to Dallas in the 70s. It's just never worked. So I think it's cute, and I think... Ultimately, it could be a little saintsy, but I still feel like it screws the other guy up. I think when you're the quarterback, you're <laughs> yeah. like the driver. But by the way, I wanted to say in the Rams, Danny, the the McVay thing with with Goff going from Goff to Stafford and, and McVay as the tortured genius, like it's got to be like he's building Ferraris, right? In a garage. He's spending a year building this awesome whatever model of a Ferrari. And then this terrible driver comes in and like bangs against <laughs> guardrails with it and stuff. And he just must have like, you could read between the lines on a lot of his golf stuff. I think it like probably like drove him nuts. Oh, 100%. you know, in that playoff game last year when the guy broke his thumb, who came in as the, or what happened? Oh, he got hurt. John he got Wolf- concussion. John yeah, I got the concussion. That's my guy. I think McVeigh was so fired up to win a game without golf, which just like pulling a guy off the street. 
and winning the playoff game anyway. So I think he, I, I'm with both of you. I think he's going to have a lot to prove this year with this. <laughs> I, I mean, I, if, if a you little listen, FU season, possibly. If you listen to him, how he was talking to the different guests on, on Flying Coach, I know I'm plugging it a lot, but it, it really, <laughs> I thought it was illuminating. Like a bonus involved in yeah. this? Or? Yeah. How many times do I have to say it again? I can't remember. Anyway, um, no, Three I think Honestly, it was like illuminating. They're so competitive with each other. And they all yeah. started out together sort of like they were peers to start out with. And they're I, I'm, I'm maybe just reading too much into it. But I, I really do think he's like, man, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of hearing about Shani. I'm tired of hearing about all this stuff. Let's let's bring it back to like what I did in 2018. Do you so, think this is going to be like Heifetz and Craig? <laughs> like eight years from now at the fantasy yeah. pod, like just frenemies. To, just outdoing each other. Trying takes. to destroy each other. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so we talked about the Rams, talked about the Niners. What's your, I like having fans of teams because nobody knows their own team more than the real fan. Like I know with my team, I think my team has a chance to go 12 and 5, 11 and 6. The thing I worry about is the Gilmore thing. The Gilmore thing is the- Big deal. It's the guillotine hanging over this season. I think Not we good. can get by it. I, maybe we can beat Miami. I think we're going to beat Miami in week one. But ultimately, the destiny of this team, we still need somebody who can shut down the other team's best receiver. And that's what he does. And that's what he's one of the best in the world. And he's not going to play the first six games. It makes me nervous. So what makes you nervous about the Seahawks, Mina? Um, first, I'll say, I think Danny and I are harder on the Seahawks than people <laughs> who don't cover the Seahawks. And we are, like, you guys see our public face, our dark fan thoughts. We have a group text <laughs> that's been yeah. going for... D Danny, I don't know if you know this, Bill. Our friendship is like since... It predates Russell Wilson, certainly. Yeah, like 2011. Yeah. T 2010 or 11. Um, was it like a message board friendship? Like a Seahawks <laughs> We don't have to get into it. We don't, we don't right. have to get into the particulars. The okay. point is, we share our darkest thoughts with each other on that, you know. <laughs> like, oh my God, did you see Daryl Taylor in the preseason? Electric, you know. I would never tweet that, but I share it with Danny. My <laughs> yeah. concerns are... Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest one is cornerback. Mm -hmm. And the CX, there's been a lot of moving chess pieces, trades happening. There's still rumors about, you know, signings and whatnot. But Shaquille Griffin left. He's in Jacksonville where he's been recently toasted by Marquez Calloway. And um, hmm. in Seattle, it's a question. They signed Akilah Weatherspoon. They've got DJ Reed, a bunch of former Niners. But it is unclear, like, how that's going to shake out. Trey Flowers is still there. Yeah. Those are not top tier corners. So I think that's the biggest issue. I actually think the front seven looks pretty good. The pass rush has a lot more depth this year. Then on the other side of the football, I think it's actually for me, Danny, less personnel and more can Shane Waldron, who formerly with the Rams, now Seattle's offensive coordinator, can he fix the offensive problems you saw in the second half of the season where you remember the offense, which was this like incredible high flying unit in the first half ground to a halt. And it wasn't just because they started running the ball. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of problems with that offense. And I think you really, I have to see Waldron do it before I believe it. Yeah. Danny? Yeah, I mean, I think I pretty much agree with everything, especially with the defensive side of the ball. And on offense, I think it's A, Shane Waldron. Like if he can do exactly what Mina was saying and, and basically figure out a way to make the Seahawks uh, offense run where it's not just play action and throw it deep. Because that was like, it felt like they kind of got stuck in this thing where, and CX players have even said this over this offseason, like you heard DK Metcalf talk about it. Um, teams knew what we wanted to do. We want to run the ball. We want to throw deep on play action. And so they started taking away, being, being, being more like capable of taking those things away. And I think A, Schottenheimer, didn't do a very good job of, of adapting. And then also, I, Russell Wilson just didn't play very well in the second half of the season. And so I think... The do we think thing, he was healthy? 
I mean, it's possible he was hiding something. He, has, I don't think he's missed a practice, Bill, in his entire yeah. career. The, like he's he's been the kind of guy who just battles it out. So knock the on wood, sense knock I on got, wood. I had to knock. Oh. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I don't, that, I'm sure easiest we'll way to make this. a dog bark. Just knock that so far. Um, the Lenny cameo really. That getting, means I, that means I have a here. delivery. That's yeah. the only reason he ever barks. The sense I got watching. I'm sorry. No, we like it. Keep it going. No, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) The sense I got watching Wilson in the second half of the season, Danny, was he was, I'm I'm not trying to like armchair psychology, like interpret, I guess, what was going through his head, but he was so spooked by those very heavy turnover games and the struggles against New York. It almost felt like he was simultaneously afraid to take risks, but also was passing up on layups underneath. Mm -hmm. And he was still big game hunting, even though defenses were playing we're following the Giants' lead and just playing a ton of too high, which is, yeah. as far as like offensive trends or defensive trends, I think something we're going to see, and we have been seeing a lot uh, across the NFL against the more explosive quarterbacks, your Josh Allens, your Patrick Mahomes. You certainly saw it against Seattle. They just didn't have a solution for it. Yeah, I think the two things that really make me excited, well, three things that make me very excited about the season, Shane Waldron, I think just the scheme, if you're going to, if you are going to design an offense that is balanced and, and run heavy in the in the NFL, I want the Rams offense. I want what he's bringing over from the Rams because they're still going to make explosive plays, very creative. They do all the stuff that's nerds like with motion before the snap, all that stuff. Like, it's just great. So I'm really excited about that. Two guys I think could be potentially keys in, in, in getting them more layups, getting them more easy first downs. Uh, number one, Gerald Everett who comes over from the Rams, knows the playbook, knows the language, everything. Um, he's really strong after the catch. They can get him in screen screen game. They can get him little slants. He can run after the catch. Just give Wilson easier shots, like to get first downs on third downs and things like that. And I think Eskridge, the reason that they drafted this guy, even though he's like 24 years old, played a small school, um, is because he's very good in the short and intermediate area in, uh, in terms of taking a, taking a ball and running after the catch, breaking tackles. He's, he's, actually, he's not... So he's short, but he's not small. You know what I mean? Mm. He's like 190 pounds, but he's like 5'9". So he's like compact. He can bring that sort of, um, I don't know if like he's Debo, Debo Samuel-esque or whatever, but like after the catch, make things happen. CX haven't really had that, to be honest. Last year, especially, they didn't have that, especially once Tyler Luckett got hurt towards the second half of the year. I mean, they're leaning on like Freddie Swain, like a rookie six-rounder. Yeah. So getting those two pieces in this offense, I think could be really crucial for them in, in getting Wilson just easier, you know, first downs and, and not having to rely so much on just those chunk plays. What about, where are we with Pete Carroll these days? <laughs> the coast, of, the host of season one of a uh, flying coach. What flying coach. The, yeah. What's the Car- frustration level on Twitter versus the actual text thread frustration? The text people uh, don't see like a seven out of 10, five out of 10. Where are we? I'd say eight. Oh, Wait, no, eight being frustrated, Danny? No. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, eight being satisfied. I, <laughs> Ten is satisfied. One is get him out of D- here. Danny and I are more positive about yeah. Pete Carroll, I think, than Okay. Seattle. You're open in the kimono. You are, this is, <laughs> I, we are like, I would say less critical than Seahawks Twitter of Pete Carroll. Okay. All right. So we have Rams 1A, Niners 1B, Seahawks 2, or Seahawks 1C? I have them as 1B over the Niners, personally. Okay, so you yeah. have 1A, 1B, Seahawks, 1C, Niners. What do you have, Danny? <sighs> this is tough. I think I have it the same. I have Rams and Seahawks, 1A, 1B, 49ers, one, or 2, I guess, or 
Got it. B, okay. just B. Um, complicated system. How, what are we doing here? I, yeah, I, 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 I confused myself. <laughs> um, so we like the Rams. Then you two like the Seahawks more than the Niners. I do. But we have them all bunched together, and I it think, wouldn't be surprising if any of them won the division. They're all okay. good, so I, I lean quarterbacks. And I think Stafford I think there's and eight Wilson. good teams this year that I trust, and I think they're three of the eight, which is always interesting when they're on the same division. Um, all right, we're going to come back, talk about two other divisions in NBP in one second. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, we can make this fast. Just NFC South. <laughs> Bucks, Let's right. give it to Tampa. But <laughs> I think there's a second playoff team in this division. Really? Ryan the Saints, aren't you? You, you caught the, the Jameis... I, I see that look in your eye, Bill. That's Jameis. <laughs> well, so I, I actually... It's I, what's interesting about the NFC South to me is I think you could make a case for each team, right? Francesa was on this pod last week and made this whole Saints case. The Saints over-under is nine. And he's like, that's ridiculous. They almost made the Super Bowl last year and their quarterback couldn't throw a deep pass. So now they're going to have a quarterback that can actually throw a deep pass. Like, you can't tell me they're an eight and nine team next year. That's crazy. Um and it's Sean Payton, the infrastructure. They have some blue chippers. So I get it. Like, yeah, could they go 10 and 7? Wouldn't be shocked. Atlanta, who fits that classic sleeper profile of terrible, you know, fourth quarter luck last year. They had some injuries. They got a new coach. Uh, Kyle Pitts, the whole thing. So I could see that. And then Carolina, <laughs> who is 12 to 1 to win that division. They have the worst odds. But Carolina's over under, I think, is like 7.5 or 8. They have good guys, man. Like they, like they have a couple like studs. And then if you think Darnold, if he's better than Bridgewater, they were in games for a while. The Matt Rule thing. I don't know. Out of those three, who goes <laughs> ten and seven? I'm just I'm presenting the cases. Mina doesn't like any of them. No, I I I think the Saints have the chance of making the playoffs. The problem okay. with the Saints is depth really i mean they cannot mm -hmm. lose anyone and they've already lost a couple of people for the first half of the season 
know Michael Thomas as much as I love Marquis Calloway, who I alluded to. Uh, that's a very, very thin group still. Uh, obviously, very good offensive line. And they'll have some know. other guy. The Saint, the rule with the Saints is it's some yeah. other dude they picked off the street who's got 10 catches for 120 well, yards. And then on the other side of the ball, this, this is a defense I think we've been kind of taking for granted for a while as being really good over the last three or four years under Dennis Allen, who's still the defensive coordinator. But um, Hendrickson's gone. They're hoping Peyton Turner, they drafted, can step up. Marcus Davenport looks fantastic, uh, who's opposite Cam Jordan. But David Onyemata is a sneaky loss to suspension first few games of the season. Uh, and then in the secondary, it's not 100% clear to me who's playing cornerback opposite Marshawn Lattimore. Because again, that's another... Lost Janoris Jenkins, sorry, Jackrabbit. He, I think, officially changed his name, like in the books, to Jackrabbit Jenkins. Like Ocho Cinco. This is what they had. Like, yes, all those years where we were like, "Oh, the Saints, the cap isn't real. Put it all on the credit card." Well, the bill came due, and guys had to leave. And mm. you're still a good team with like a lot of really good players, many of whom I didn't mention. Mario Davis is amazing, you know, whatever. But Mar- Marcus Williams is really good. But when you start letting that depth walk, suddenly. You become you become your roster just becomes kind of fragile. So, I think they have a high upside, especially if Winston looks anything like he did in the preseason. I just think that upside can get knocked down pretty quickly with injuries. What do you think, Danny? So, I I like the Saints the most. I think it's the most logical and obvious. So, Bill, I think you texted me this a while ago. It's like there's always a weird team that makes the playoff. Is is there a weird is 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 there a world where the Panthers are the weird team that makes so that that's year? why I brought it up because I think this could be the division that gives us the <laughs> weird team if we're going yeah. if we're going three playoff teams in the NFC West then the weird team has to be one of these NFC South teams the Vikings I guess would be weird mm. I think it would be really really weird if two NFC East teams made the playoffs I that would be like yeah. staggeringly bizarre to me I think it's possible. Washington, it would have to Dallas. be Dallas and Washington, Dallas and right? Washington, and I yeah. just don't think, I don't think Dallas is a playoff team. I don't see it. But the the Giants and the Eagles, they're out. So it would have to be Dallas and Washington. I think it's more realistic that it's one of these NFC South teams. But yeah, the Carolina thing, they were five and eleven last year, but it didn't they didn't totally feel like a five and eleven team to me. I felt like they were in games. They had some good showings against good teams. Um, they have a couple really good players on both sides. And I do, I thought they were well coached. The games I watched, I was like, that team's well coached. Kind I think, of like yeah. overachievers almost. They're, it's most likely they're a year away from being a competitor, a, a contender. But I look at like their defense is very young and they've got some guys that could really make a jump. Like Brian Burns was a favorite of mine coming out of the draft. He's looking really good so far. He could have this, he could, he could have a superstar season this season. It wouldn't There's be defensive player of the year kind of sleeper buzz with him. Mm-hmm. And then like Derek Brown, one of their top picks from last year, you know, he's exciting player. I don't know. There's just, they have a lot of young, exciting players. Jeremy Chin, JC Horn, Dante Jackson. If they all, if it, they can get it to come together, this defense could be, to, could take a jump. And I think that there's enough talent in this Panthers offense, especially that Sam Darnold can, if he, even if he's just like neutral, even if he's just average, le- right there at yeah. league average, this is, is a average. pretty good offense. And so, I don't well, know. It, I mean, league average for Sam Darnold would be a massive, a ma- massive like, up, leap yeah. given yeah, yeah. where he's been. It's plausible. Um, you know, I love the scheme. I love the skill players. I do not love that offensive line. And that remains yeah. a concern yeah. for me. Other than like Taylor Moten, <laughs> like the entire left side of the line is an issue. On the other side of football, I like the front seven. I actually really like 
Um, Phil Snow, who's their defensive coordinator, I think has done a really nice job, but a lot of holes in that secondary. So it's, it's they're in an interesting place because they're like a rebuilding team in many ways, and they're very young. Uh, but I think there is some pressure to compete now. And also pressure, this is one of the teams where, as you're watching the, all their rookie quarterbacks tear it up in the preseason, yep. this is one of the teams where the fan base does not feel great about that. And I think... <laughs> oh, I Darnold, like that. Dude, yeah. I mean, imagine yeah, if you're a one. Panthers fan. I mean, J.C. Horton looks, he looked really good in the preseason when he did play. He didn't play, you know, he's super sticky, super aggressive, press man corner. But like, Justin Fields was there. Mac Jones mm-hmm. were there, you know, so... That's tough. It's and tough. plus, even how about this? Sertain was there. They might have taken the wrong guy, <laughs> right? They took Horn ahead of Sertain. And, and everybody is like, that guy's an absolute all time, you know, going to be a stud rookie. Right. And lock him in for Pro Bowls and all that stuff. Um, One thing with the NFC South that I forgot to mention. They play the AFC East and the NFC East this year. So you get the Jets and then you have all those NFC East teams. I think that's a that's a benefit, you know, maybe the, if two is not good, the dolphins might not, you know, the dolphins, I think it's more realistic that they take a step back than a step forward. But, um, yeah, we'll see. By the way, Danny, Brian Burns, 90 to one for defensive player of the year. Oh yeah. Get in. I don't know. You you want to hop on FanDuel that 90 to (laughs) one seems high. I I would have had him. him I mean, basically everybody in the league, but there's people (laughs) like, I mean, like Shaq Barrett's ahead of him and, Darius Leonard, Bobby Wagner, Derwin James, Khalil Mack. I think the Burns thing is like, I, I, I suspect those odds reflect the pack, fact that people don't expect the defense to be very good. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to win these individual awards when your unit isn't that great. Mm-hmm. Chase Young's 11-1. He's got the fifth best odds. But I was thinking like, he if Washington, like Washington's another team that, like what we talked about before, where they have the worst slate of quarterbacks you could probably have for an entire NFL season. And even if Fitzpatrick, as you said, is even if he's average, yeah, that's such a jump from what they had, you know? Mm-hmm. They get the Giants offensive line week one. I feel like mm. they need to put like black bars on the television for that whole, <laughs> like the middle third of the television just needs to be covered up because what Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen are going to do to that line. Um, we have uh, the, NFC, the AFC. Or week two, pardon me. Sorry. Week two. The the, Denver, Denver yeah, well, has week one. Denver has them week one. That's not going to be Ooh. easy either. Jesus. Um, <laughs> AFC North. Who do you feel worse about, Pittsburgh or Baltimore, Danny? Uh, well, I think that's kind of a that's kind of a weird question because I think a lot of people feel like the Steelers suck, right? Like I feel worse about the Steelers. I think Baltimore's gonna be really good. So you, make the case, okay? You guys don't think that Baltimore's gonna be really? No, good? I do. I do. I I think you're going. It sounds like. I, oh, I don't know if you think Cleveland or Baltimore are going to be better, but I assume you have the Bengals and the Steelers in the next tier. I have the Browns cruising in that division. Cruising? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like comfortably, like resting the guys in week 18 kind of a cruise. <laughs> wow. Like, hey, Odell, we'll see you in a week. Like that kind of regular season for them. Don't send him on a cruise. So I don't, I don't yeah. like the way this starts for the Ravens at all with all these skill guys out and, uh, you know, the the Lamar COVID stuff is a real thing to me. Like, yeah, I, I think yeah. we have to take that stuff seriously. If you don't know any given week, if you're not going to have your quarterback or not, I think that's, talk about distractions. Remember when people thought Tim Tebow was a distraction? What about the distraction of, I have no idea if my quarterback's going to play this week for 17 yep. straight weeks. I think that's going to matter. 
What do you think, yeah. Danny? I think I just I, I think that's a good point. I'm not really I hadn't really been thinking of it that way. I just I'm a I'm a believer still in Lamar. I think that the, the things that they can do offensively, like we're getting so excited about what the 49ers can do on offense. It's like this is what the Ravens do. Like yes, this is what fair. they've been doing. They've had like a top five offense DVOA every time that Lamar's been the starter or whatever. I'm not. I'm just off the top of my head. I'm not sure that's 100 yeah. sure, but like feels right. I mean, no, they've had like an extremely right. efficient, extremely <laughs> explosive. Um, the the things he can do, and and Shanahan has even said this in the past. It's like it's a sound scheme, and go ahead and try and stop it because we got Lamar Jackson, who has more rushing yards over expectation than any player in the NFL. He's just so special as a runner that even if he's average or below average as a passer, it doesn't matter because he can just do so many different things with the offense. It makes him so difficult to defend. So that's kind of how I am with with Lamar. I'm just still a Lamar believer. I'm still a believer in this offense, even with all the injuries on um, at, in the receiving core. Like that's definitely a concern, but like that's never been their game anyway. Um, and I think Gus Edwards is a good running back, and they can kind of like carry on even without J.K. Dobbins. So um, I think it's clearly their their preseason has not gone ideally, and I think that the COVID thing is a concern. But I don't know. It's the Ravens. I I think they're still going to be like eleven win, twelve win team. Mina, let me sketch this out for you. Okay. At Raiders Monday night week one. W. <laughs> let me let me walk you through the alternate universe of that. <laughs> okay. All right. They're Maybe. like five point five point favorites. Oh, Vegas. Oh, this will be easy. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, so maybe Gus Edwards and a bunch of D plus receivers uh down ten points in the first half. Uh oh. They blow that game. Chiefs Sunday night, week uh-uh. two. Yeah. Uh oh. That's an uh-oh. Colts, Monday night, week five. They're at Denver. They play the Chargers at home. They're at the Dolphins on Thursday night, week 10. And then they finish home Browns, at Steelers, at Browns, home Packers, at Bengals, home Rams, home Steelers. I think their schedule is hard. And if they have, if they pass an injury point, which they're kind of heading toward, if this gets any worse for them, Combined with like, you know, Lamar, like, do you trust Lamar to play 17 games with the style that they have? Well, I'd be really nervous about that. I mean, he's done it so far. I know he has, but I just, <laughs> the running quarterbacks make me nervous. They do. Um, I don't know. Same thing. I don't like the guys. Josh Allen's another one. I don't like the guys that are just taking hits, hits, hits. Yeah. Makes I, me I, nervous. I think my concerns with Baltimore, I, first of all, the COVID thing is totally legitimate and real. Like I was thinking about that watching Carson Wentz's press conference today because there was a moment I, I actually am not oh, I'm not up to date on his exact status, but Seattle's playing the Colts week one. And let me tell you, the group chat has been popping about that <laughs> COVID this. But anyways, a lot of things that should not be shared with Puck. But we, I, I, we at a point I was like, is he going to play? Like, is he available? Because if you're unvaccinated, talking about Wentz, if you're yeah. vaccinated and you test positive, you can miss 10 days. So it is real. Any of these dudes who are not vaccinated are absolutely putting their availability at risk in a huge way. Because if you are vaccinated, you can get it back in very quickly with two negative tests, 24 hours, boom. So I think that's real. My concerns with Baltimore are the health of the wide receivers already. The wide receiving group has been an issue with Rashad Bateman, who was their first round draft pick. Watkins is practicing again. That's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um I think the Dobbins thing is fine. I like Edwards a lot. Danny mentioned him. I think he's a really talented runner. He's very complete. But on the other side of the ball, uh, the pass rush, I would say, is something we really take for granted with Martindale and his, you know, aggressive, blitz-heavy, very schemed-up pressure. But 
they're really counting on like Odafe Owe, who's their first round draft pick, to replace the production of, say, like a Matt Judon, who you have seen tear it up in the preseason in New England. Yeah. I love that him. concerns me a little. He's <laughs> what are his DPOI? And all the Ravens uh, fans in my life read Mallory Rubin. We're like, no, we're fine. We're fine. Yeah, we can replace him. We're fine because <laughs> the Ravens do this whole thing where it's like, totally. oh, my arm's been cut off. It just regenerates because we're bionic. <laughs> it's like at some point you're not fine. At some point, it sucks to just lose guys. You, you saw that in New England last year. Yeah. I, in the defense. We weren't so, fine after a while. We, not we fine. We didn't draft well for a couple of years, and suddenly we were not fine, and we didn't have enough good players. So I, I think those are those concerns are the ones I have about Baltimore. I Can I give you another reason with Baltimore good, to be nervous about them? Yes. I don't know. You, you might not know this. Okay. Mallory is going to have a podcast on the Ringer NFL show on Thursdays with Nora Princiati. As a, as just an experiment, a human experiment, if the Raven season starts out <laughs> in any sort of weird way and Mallory has to talk about football every Thursday, it's just keep dark. an eye on that one. It feels like I, that could be a good good hook for the early weeks of the pod. 0-2 <laughs> heading into at Detroit. Oh, my God. People love know. misery. So I feel like as yeah. your employer, you should actually be, and it sounds like you are, rooting against Baltimore because the content, <laughs> like I feel bad for Mallory, yeah. but this is tremendous, tremendous. content. Yeah, <laughs> Tremendous content. And by the way, I don't need any excuse to root against Baltimore. I think that's, oh, my, least, that's it, my least favorite franchise right now. Bill, does it make oh, you yeah. worried? Does just it make for, you, from a Pat standpoint. Does it make you worried that they one have... One of our rivals. The, the Baltimore Ravens are, according to Football Outsiders projections, second... They have they're projected at ten point six wins, which is second. Above, I saw that, and the Pats Kansas are fifth, City, right? The Pats are fifth, Seahawks sixth, and then San Francisco seventh. Who is the biggest surprise in the top ten out of those projections? Uh, I was. Wasn't say, there somebody weird in there around eight nine? Uh, Green Bay, New Orleans, Dallas, maybe. New Orleans is being One, up two. there, is given all the players they've lost. I would, and the uncertainty at quarterback. It's yeah, pretty. Impressive. I don't understand how anyone can watch Hard Knocks and think Dallas is going to win 10 games. <laughs> what, what just an absolute shit show that team is. How can you watch uh, that and be like, we're good, man. We're everybody's in the right hands. This is a smooth <laughs> machine. Have you ever watched Hard Knocks and felt better about a team, though? The only thing, my only takeaway was just C.D. Lamb looked in. The C.D. Yeah. Lamb montage they ran was the greatest montage I think I've ever watched other than Randy Moss footage from the late 90s that's on <laughs> YouTube where you just watch that. And you're like, oh, Randy Moss. This is the case for Dallas. Like we were in, to use as the ranking system we used for the NFC West, at wide receiver, they have a 1A, 1B, and a 1C, in my opinion. Mm. And they're playing the openers, Tampa, right? Tampa's, I'm sure, favored by at least a touchdown. I don't have in front of me. But if I'm Dallas... I'm throwing it in every play. I'm having <laughs> 11, three wide receivers on the field all the time. And I'm going after Sean Murphy bunting with CD Lamb because that is the one area where you have, I think, an advantage over every opponent on your schedule is your wide receivers. Yeah, I was looking at that as a possible. There's a couple of good upset possibilities in week one because there's Browns, Chiefs. There's a couple where they're like touchdown underdogs where you just know one of them is going to win. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out which one. And all of them look grim on paper. That's why they're seven point underdogs. But <laughs> it's like, what's what's that week one? It's always sloppy. You know, it's disjointed. And then that's like where you get like the 80 yard touchdown. All of a sudden you're up 10-3 and the other team doesn't know what happened. I uh, I feel like Pittsburgh and Dallas are similar to me in a weird way because the reason 
that I'm not writing off Dallas completely is just because of those skill guys, the receivers you mentioned in Zeke. I don't know what's, I don't know if Dak is that, if that's a two year injury, what's going to happen with them. I, I think there's a high ceiling, high floor of them. Pittsburgh, you look at Najee Harris, which everybody's just going nuts about. Uh, and their receivers, now they have no offensive line, but these actual skill guys are ridiculous. And that's why I can't write them off yet because I do think they're going to be, you know, they're going to have, especially if Ben can somehow stay, he lost weight. I, congrats, Ben. Way to lose 15 pounds as a professional athlete. Um, <laughs> but uh, if he can, you know, he, what did he throw for almost 5,200 yards two years ago? Why are you yeah. why are you lowering your eyebrow, Mimina? No, I'm not. I'm I am not lowering my eyebrow. That was an eyebrow I, low. You lowered your eyebrow. Well, I I it shows that he threw for that much, is what I mean. I, I Yeah, that's fair. I get enough hate from Steelers fans. I don't want to draw any more ire. I will say I, I the front seven should still be very good. Yes. Um I'm not worried about the loss of Bud Dupree. Uh like they all look good, frankly, up front. Secondary, some concerns. Um, but to me, it really on offense just comes down to scheme in a big way. The new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, well, I'll talk about sort of what that brings in terms of all the nerd stuff Danny alluded to. And I think Motion. I want to see, okay, what does Ben look like in this offense? And can they do things um, to get some of those playmakers in space? Who was the one on one of our podcasts? I want to say it was Ben Solak, but I can't remember. But somebody was talking about how they're going to have Ben over center more, less shotgun. Yeah, he was over center in the preseason. The new offensive trend is over center versus shotgun. Do you remember that, Danny? Does this strike a bell with you? Somebody was talking about it. Yeah, uh, I I don't remember exactly what you're talking about, but Ben has been, like, by far the most against running play action of any quarterback in the NFL over the last, like, five years. It's like, play action is a cheat code, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the defense, you, you get the defense to, like, cheat a little bit one way, and then it just opens everything up. It's like such a brilliant thing to do. And that's why so many coaches are adopting it more and more. Every year, the play action rate has gone up in the NFL. And I think it's going to go up Except a lot again this year. Pittsburgh. Except for Pittsburgh, who does it like, for Pittsburgh. It's like 10% of the time. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So it's like, and all these things are things that can help the aforementioned struggling offensive line. Like mm-hmm. the motion mm-hmm. can help the run game. The play action can buy them a little bit of time. The question is just kind of, okay, are you going to do it? Right. The offensive line thing, in some cases, I just write the team off completely because <laughs> I like the Jags as a possible sleeper like a month ago. And then I saw them try to block. I'm like, I'm out. I'm just out. <laughs> they, they can't block. Yeah. And you watch the Giants last week. The Patriots like destroyed the Giants offensive line. It's like they're not fixing that. They're not going to be able to block, period. And I think they're. I think the Bears are like that, too. I don't think the Bears are going to be able to block. The Steelers, I'm not sure of. They're moving guys around. Like, they're really obviously well-coached. They have the infrastructure, so they they always can kind of stumble into, we just found this guy, and this guy in our practice squad, and now he's our right tackle, and he's doing really well. So I don't want to write them off, but I, I think that could sink them, too. That, to me, is what I'm watching. That first game, week one, I want to see, like, can they fucking block? Yeah. They like, I mean, there's guys like Kevin Dotson, who they are high on, for example, but I just kind of want to see the unit work together, you know, yeah. by the you know, sneaky offensive line to keep your eye on Green Bay. I don't think we're talking about the NFC North, but I was trying <laughs> to figure out who's starting on the offensive line the other day when the Bakhtiari news dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elton Jenkins is playing left tackle. Like what? This dude, like he's really good, but uh, there could be two rookies starting on that line. I, it's something we kind of take for, it's like you're saying about Pittsburgh. We take for granted. Oh, it's Green Bay. They're going to be awesome. Like every year they're awesome on off their offensive line. But I kind of, I, I want to see it. 
Chiefs too. Chiefs as well. Chiefs are starting. It three, seems like three rookies, I believe. Due to my internet sleuthing, because I like researching this stuff, it actually seems like the Chiefs are super fired up about how their five guys have meshed. Yeah. That's I haven't. True. I'll do now when we're done with this pod, I'm going to do the search the Packers because I've been looking for any excuse for them not to win the NFC North and I haven't found <laughs> it because you know how this goes. Every year there's five or six new playoff teams. It's just how yeah. it goes. It's not, we're not running it back with the 12 way. Now there's some that aren't going to make it like the bears are out. There's a couple that just aren't going to make it. But in general, there's always at least one team where we like, oh, the Ravens they're in. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, the Ravens aren't going to be in this year. We always have it. So you know, could it be the Packers? I don't know. I don't love the Vikings is the problem. And it's not going to be the other two teams. We um, haven't seen the Packers line. That's the other thing. With the Chiefs, we've actually, because Andy Reid like plays Patrick Mahomes for entire quarters in the preseason, <laughs> we got to see some of the newcomers on the offensive line. Uh, LaFleur yeah. does not. So I only found out about Elton's playing, Jenkins playing left tackle from Packers beat reporters who were there. Jesus. It's, and they, they are confident about it. And I certainly trust their assessment more than, you know, mine. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. It was interesting. The veteran coaches handled some the way some of them handled the preseason where they're like, we don't get to hit anybody ever. We're going we're gonna to use these preseason games and actually like use them because <laughs> the Patriots were like that. They really played guys. They wanted to see what they have. All right. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, I'm going to let you guys talk about the Patriots for two minutes <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll do the MVP. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash in every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card member. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. All right, the Patriots. Basically, even odds to make the playoffs now. There's been some Mac Jones offensive rookie of the year movement <laughs> on FanDuel. Really? There's been some Belichick coach of the year movement, frankly. He's up to 14 to 1. Love that. Uh, division odds have not budged at plus 250. People still think Buffalo is taking that division. Um, Mina, your Mac Jones thoughts? I thought he looked awesome. In the preseason, I thought he looked like this. Actually, I think all the rookie quarterbacks kind of look like they did in college in a funny mm -hmm. way or, or mm. showed the traits that you liked about all five of them uh, in college. And I thought Mac, the accuracy, decision making, some of the throws he made. Uh, it was in the week three game, probably was my favorite throw 
was the seam route to, it was a guy who I don't think is on the pads anymore, the tight end, uh, starts in the Z. Anyways, I, I was really impressed. I also think, though, he was not tested in the way that he will be week one by Miami. And you saw in week three, um, some of the challenge he had, took a few sacks, Bill, I assume you watched all three of the games and he held the ball a couple He times. held the ball longer than he did the first two weeks. He, he didn't week- have guys that were open. So but I think he was confused. By that. Uh, a couple guys After playing open. with Jalen Waddle last year, you know, that'll I mean? do it. And also I thought, I think the giants defense fooled him a little bit. And I, the, if you think like they're good, but so are the Miami Dolphins. So I, th- I think it was the right move to start him. I think mm-hmm. he looks great, but I think there's going to be unanticipated struggles. I think that, by the way, about all the rookie quarterbacks. I think all of them are going to face challenges that we didn't see in the preseason, but I really like what I saw. Can I defend my new son, Mac Jones, for a second? I think I just, <laughs> I was just so nice. No, no. What is their defense? She said he, awesome. They, they played She's the Giants awesome. in these scrimmages and he lit them up the first day. And then by, by the time they played the preseason game, it was like the fourth <laughs> time they played the Giants. Okay. So I was like... I go back to that first Giants inter-squad scrimmage. He was like 33 for 39. No, no, I'm with you. Um, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. I do too. I'm with you about the rookie QBs. It's it's so weird that we might have gone five for five, Danny. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of these guys are going to be a bust. I actually think all of these guys are going to make it in some way, right? Yeah. I actually, yeah, it's like, I almost feel like I underrated all of them. It's yeah. Instead yeah. of like overrating all of them, I'm like, wow, I should have been higher on all of these guys, especially Mac Jones, I think. is There was a big narrative, like he just, you know, like he's got like that Tom Brady, like combine picture, like just this like not athletic looking body. And it's like, I think a lot of people just really bought into that. Me included, like I just bought into it too much. He's really good. Like he's just a freaking quarterback. Um, and I think that's going to show up. It, but it's like what Mina said, all the all the pluses and minuses have been pretty apparent for each guy in each scouting report for each guy, you know. Um, like Fields is holding on to the ball a little bit too long, but has uh, incredible athleticism, incredible arm, all that stuff. Um, you know, Zach Wilson has shown off his ability to just whip the ball downfield, like really good arm, um, good decision making, all that stuff. I could go on, but like all these guys have looked exactly pretty much like I think the scouting reports told us they'd look. So that's it's exciting because I think you know, five new good quarterbacks in the yeah. NFL. Like, that's awesome. I was thinking about what an awesome situation this is for Mac Jones, the team he's coming to with mm-hmm. the coaches he has. But then you think, like, they have a really good offensive line this year. Yes. Like, it's it's that's really, huge. really good. I would say it's one of the five best. Is they it as have, good as Alabama? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe Relatively, like a, <laughs> though. To, shade below. Yeah. They have... Yeah. One of the deepest, best groups of running backs I think anybody has. They're really going to be able to run the ball. They actually have tight ends who can catch. They have one deep threat who can at least extend the field. I just think it's going to be an easy team to play quarterback for compared to some of the other options rookies usually have. And it's funny because I a lot of this, it's so weird. They're totally different. But a lot of this reminds me of Russell. What was that, 10 years ago? 2011, 2012? When 12, yeah. his first year in Seattle when they had the right team, but they didn't have a quarterback and then they thought it was going to be, wasn't it Matt Flynn? They yeah. just paid Matt Flynn. $10 million. Yeah. And I remember I picked Seattle to make the Super Bowl that year in my column because I was reading all the Russell Wilson things. And the quotes were a lot like the Mac Jones stuff from the teammates, from the coaches, where it was like, this guy has it. This guy's special. Like, yep. this guy's great. We can't keep him off the field. And it was similar. Like Seattle didn't make the Super Bowl that year, but 
he came in as such an awesome situation that year that it was like the best thing that could have happened to Russell right. Wilson, but also the best thing that happened to Seahawks. I don't know if it's going to play out that way, but I think that's, you don't see that with rookie QBs. It's like the NBA where star rookies don't come into good situations. Good teams, yeah. Yeah, situations, everything. I mean, and, and what I'm about to say is going to be perceived as Mac Jones' criticism, and it's not. If he was in Chicago, he, we would not be having this conversation. <laughs> we he would, would not. Be, right. He'd probably be dead. That's real, right. like literally dead. So he would be miserable. And but it's perfect fit, and and you know I I think the arcs of these guys' careers are really going to sort of be dependent on where they ended up. Uh, and I like I think Trey Lance is in an incredible situation and was yes. is the perfect situation for him. The other three, I'm not so sure about. I think Zach Wilson is the one who, to me, actually has looked the most. He's surpassed my expectations. Transcendent, most, frankly. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's just. <laughs> What he's done, not even outside of structure, which is where he was special in college, but the ability to make all of the throws over the middle of the field. I didn't know if he would be able to do that. He has done it against backups. And that's what my only caveat for myself is like, okay, let's see this in real time. But I think for him, ending up with Mike LaFleur and some of the wide receivers they have and what should be an improving offensive line, like he could be pretty special too. I yeah. wanted him to suck for the comedy because I love making fun of Jets fans. <laughs> He's got a freaking bazooka and yeah. he can throw it from different angles. Yeah. And like, it's just clear he's, He's actually not going to be a bust. I'm disappointed. I, I want to I want to say no. this, though. Like, I want to add to this discussion that the preseason is a, a different animal than the regular season. So going yeah. back to the Russell Wilson thing, Bill, because I think that's a great point. Like he when he came in, I remember this very vividly rookie camp the Seahawks hold a rookie camp where they invite like all the rookies there's like 50 guys that are never going to make any roster he came in and he basically ran the whole camp by himself he like knew the playbook already and the Seahawks were like holy shit like, <laughs> right. this yeah. guy took over and this is like what you're hearing about Mac Jones like he's just got that it factor or whatever um, and Russell Wilson, go back to his rookie preseason, was just incredible. Like, he was juking guys out of their, like, socks, just lighting it up. And then he started out pretty slow, to be honest. Like, in the beginning of the season, it was kind of ugly. There was, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there was talk about benching him in the, yeah. in the first half of the season. And then the second half of the season, he took over. I think he the just, Patriots game was the one. Well, the that, Bears game early. Oh yeah, this is yeah, all yeah. the 2012. Danny and I relive these moments all was the time. Was that the Richard Sherman like, Tony yes, Brady game? Yes, yeah, the human bro game is yeah, was Russell I Wilson. Like I think let's let's relive it. Was it Sydney who caught Sydney the, Rice caught the touchdown, caught the in, touchdown the end zone. in the yeah. end zone, and we were worried that he was hurt or something. Uh, I almost got in fight after watching that game. <laughs> I was in Greenpoint at a bar. <laughs> And there were a bunch of Patriots fans and they were mad. They were mad bros. But <laughs> there were a couple performances early on. He didn't do like a ton. There were uh, there were a lot of games where he wasn't asked to throw it a lot. And mm -hmm. but there was that game in the Bears game, which I think also ended with Sydney Rice touchdown. The one where yeah. He, yes. yeah. And where we were like, okay, like this is it. That we was his it. well, that was his, I think, arrival moment. He had he yeah. had, like he retired um what's his sorry, the Hall of Fame linebacker, Erlacher. Like the they, Bears they, game, yeah, yeah. This Bears game, they took out, they debuted the read option package. Yeah, it was just like yes. the Bears had never seen this before what, in their was lives. The, the Patriots game in Foxborough. Am I remembering yeah. that correctly? It was earlier in the it was in the first half of the season. 
We were outraged that Richard Sherman dared blaspheme Tom Brady. I didn't I want, like that at all. I want to travel back in time and tell 2012 Danny and Mina that we would get uh, to talk about this on Bill Simmons' podcast to his decade. face and relive that game. I was, I was very upset. Yeah, that was uh, week week six, <laughs> so 24-23. So you're right. So week seven, you scored six points. You had basically you weren't scoring until week eight. Then all yeah. of a sudden it took off. Yeah. You're in the 20s and so the, after that. The point is. Pump your brakes if these guys have some bad games early on in the season because that's going to happen. I'm almost sure. But like everything we've seen, I think it is very, very positive for these well, guys long term. How many cases? Because Roethlisberger on Pittsburgh is an obvious one. Wilson, that first Seattle year where you almost made the made the uh, NFC yeah, championship game. You really could have. That was a brutal loss. Should have. Should have. Horrible, yeah. horrible comeback. And then Mac Jones has a, has a chance, I think, to be a quarterback on a good playoff team. But for the most part, this doesn't happen. Right. Because I can't even really remember any other examples from this century of like rookies <sighs> coming in and shepherding a 10 and 6, 11 and 5 team right. that was actually built to be. I think the Pats are going to be really good. I keep saying it. I am more than willing to admit when they're when my team's not good i think this team has a lot of talent i think they can do a lot of things on both sides of the ball and even like stuff like our our kick kick returners and stuff that they just <laughs> didn't that fell through the cracks cracks the last few years can i um, ask you bill for some fantasy yeah. advice related to the patriots yeah, um so i'm in a i'm in a league with danny kelly okay oh, dynasty league <laughs> it's me and all of danny's high school friends our buddy Nate Tice is in it too. I won the first year. It was a major ancient, ancient, ancient. Danny's news. never won. It's not a big deal. It's not like he has a fantasy. Who, who, who beat like you in the in the playoffs last year, Mina? I don't. Danny's how, never won. He's never. <laughs> he's so mad at me right now. <laughs> it's like the I, beat, I I took Mina. I took you down in the playoffs last year, and then and then, frickin', lost, and then frickin', uh Alvin Kamara six touchdown game. Anyways, really uh, uh, so I have to go be Myers. Awful. I have Jacoby Myers in this league. And I feel proud. Like that was, it's a very, very deep league. It's huge rosters. So we have like, it's a dynasty league. We yeah. have like major no name. I felt like he was like <laughs> a real deep pool for me. And I feel like I nurtured him like a little, you know, like a baby bird. And right. now he's about to fly. <laughs> like a rescue dog. I'm right. getting offers for him. And I feel I'm so, and the offers are enticing. I don't, uh, it's, it's Miles Sanders might be involved and a pick. <laughs> Ooh. But I love wow. Kobe, and I feel like him and Mac Jones could be special. What do you think? Danny asked me this on the fantasy pod. I I worry with the Pats, they're going to have like six guys who are between 38 <laughs> and 55 catches. Okay. That would be my fear. I, watching last year, I felt like he was open all year. Mm -hmm. And who was, the other, who was the other receiver we had who's not on the team anymore? I'm blanking. The uh, God, last there was one season. Of, not Dorset. The, the oh, Bird, Demir Bird, Bird. Demir yeah. Bird. Yeah, Bird. He was open too a lot, but Cam was. You know, the ball was flying all over the place. But we did have those guys were open. It wasn't like they were like blanketed. It wasn't like some other years. But um, I think he's going to be the third down guy. But I do think John o. Smith kind of steps into him a little bit. I think they're going to have two tight ends on the field, like more than any team in the NFL easily. Well, I hope so. one of them's Hunter Henry. I'm if, I, if you gave me 11 <laughs> games for him right now, I'd probably take it. Right? <sighs> so you're like saying, is that a yes I or would, no? I would trade for Miles Sanders. I actually, okay. I think you should trade Jacoby Myers for Miles Sanders in a pick. I would vote for that. I hope the person in our league isn't listening. <laughs> well, we're not putting it up this till tonight. We have like nine, 10 hours. Okay. All right, MVP on FanDuel. 
Mahomes is five to one. Rogers ten to one. Brady twelve to one. Josh Allen thirteen to one. Prescott seventeen to one. I don't see that one at all. Lamar seventeen to one. Stafford seventeen to one. Your guy Russ is twenty to one. Herbert twenty to one. Kyler's twenty three to one. Then it gets silly. There's really no other great options um, unless you want to go running back who never went. But Derrick Henry is. 50 to one. It's just my guy, Mac is 75. I mailed all these to you. Which one jumped out? Which one did you like? I liked Josh Allen. I think the the obvious one is Josh Allen. So I I look back at the last like 10 years of MVP awards and it's nine quarterbacks and Adrian Peterson. And every quarterback has won at least 12 games. Right, except you're for Matt, at least twelve and four, Ryan. thirteen and three. Matt Ryan won eleven in 2016, and I and I am saying the quarterbacks won, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, these teams need to be elite, I think, and the quarterback has to be elite leading them. I think that the Bills could finish with like thirteen wins. It's just the most obvious one to me. Um, that really stood out. I think Dak has a good chance, but like, do you see the Cowboys winning thirteen games? No. Um, Stafford maybe in the Rams if they really go on a run and if they can stay healthy is a good one. But I would say Josh Allen is by far the most obvious one there. Do you like Josh Allen or at 11 and one to win the MVP? What was it? 13 and one or 11 and one? 13? 13, 13. Yeah. That's, or do you like Buffalo for best regular season record at 10 to one? I think I like Josh Allen more. Okay. I did too. So, did you watch their last preseason game? Bill? <laughs> I, this, yeah, I think they're going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And the, the big nitpick for them is like, well, the running backs aren't that great. It's like, okay, cool. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> ah, their the, defense, not sure. They, it's like, all right, they're going to score every time they have the ball. Like an absolute, mo- they went back to back on pass rushers, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And Rousseau looks like a monster. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I, they check all the boxes for the team that got the taste and makes the jump. That's why I like Cleveland too. I think Cleveland's going to be really good. And yeah. I don't know if their division is going to be as like much of a gauntlet as people think, but I think Buffalo is the one seed in that. In that, over Kansas uh, I would City. have them one over Kansas City. Yeah, I would. Really? I would. They're more complete. Yeah, but, they're more balanced. Uh, did you say. also watch Patrick Mahomes' last game of the preseason? Because <laughs> holy... Yeah. My guess with Buffalo is they would care more about being a one seed, whereas KC is more like, eh, we got Patrick Mahomes. We're good. <laughs> we'll see yeah. We'll see in January. <laughs> that seems to be the, the game is. generally. Um, I kind of like Stafford and Wilson's values there, by the way. I think they both also, MVP mm-hmm. is like a very narrative-y award. Yes. And I think both of those guys have narratives on their side. Stafford with the, you know, new team makeover. This is his chance. Wilson with the never got the vote story and all that. Oh, my um, God. I know. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not engaging in it. I'm just repeating it. So I think... <laughs> Those guys both should lead pretty high-powered offenses. This is, I mean, this is the problem. Too many podcasts, too many afternoon talk shows when we have those narratives and the people get mad. about How can LeBron James not have won the MVP <laughs> since 2013? And it's just like, all right, let's go through the seasons. Tell me which one he should have won. Like nobody yeah. wants to actually do the exercise or the work. But the same thing with Wilson. It seems weird that he's never won the MVP, but if you go through all the seasons... Right. It makes sense. He didn't have the season. So what are you, you going to do? But maybe it'll be this year. Who knows? Um, all right, Mina, what's your wackiest prediction before we go? Your wackiest prediction for 2021. My wackiest NFL. prediction. Apparently that the Ravens are going to be really good. I didn't realize. <laughs> that, that was one, crazy. That was wackadoodle. Yeah, you went nuts on um, that. Well, I still, I, 
Uh, okay, here I think this is genuinely wacky. I think Washington and Dallas could both be playoff teams. That's I a had, really good one. Is that a good one? I th- yeah, I think, that's good. I think well, that two NFC East teams is two NFC. Right, everyone wacky. thinks the division sucks, but I think the fact that the re- I think the rest of the division they'll have no problem with, and I think Dallas's offense is that good. I think Washington's defense is that good, and all they need is average play on the other side of the football. And I think I, I definitely think they Washington get it out of Fitzpatrick. We don't have to get into that, but. Dallas defense, a little bit sketchier, but I think that's a top five offense in the NFL. If Parsons turns out to be a stud immediately, good. that will help. He did look good in the He preseason. looks good. Problem is the rest of the defense, but he looks good. You figure for them both to make the playoffs, I think they would both have to go 4-0 against the Giants-Eagles combo. And then after that, you just need six more wins, basically. You'd have to go 6-0. and. Six and seven. I can't even. I'm really impressed that you've been like throwing around these numbers this far. Because the 17 it, game. It's I know. Really I, I've just been not. I've been refusing. Like wrapping my mind around the idea that a a nine team win is a nine win team rather is not good is just mind fucking me. Yeah, because when, <laughs> when you look at the player props and it's like Justin Herbert will throw for five thousand yards. It's like Herbs. what? And then you think like, like oh, oh, that's right, 17 yeah. games. Yeah, All the records are going to be broken. This year. Yeah, that's yeah. 290 yards a game. It's, you know, not completely unrealistic. Danny, what's your wackiest uh, prediction? Oh, man. So I was just thinking about what you guys were talking. I think the weirdest thing and the, the most improbable thing that I could think of is that Jalen Hurts is going to lead the Eagles to the playoffs. Just with like... Whoa. So no. the most the most realistic, ridiculous thing that could happen this season <laughs> is the Eagles making the playoffs on the back of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I think Jalen Hurts... It's not Hurts, bad. They do have good like, skill guys. I like that. And the so, offensive line is back. I think, yeah, number one, their offensive line was totally banged up. They were just a complete cluster last year. Everything that could have gone wrong did. I think their offensive line has gotten more healthy. They've got some pretty intriguing skill players. I think Devontae Smith is going to be really good as a rookie. Um, I think... Jalen Hurts is, he's a unique prospect in the sense that he's like a running back at quarterback. Like he is like Kyler Murray, but with like 20 extra pounds or whatever. And so he might not be, he's not as accurate. He's not as talented of a passer, but I think that they can do some interesting things on offense if they embrace what he is and who he is. Uh, And I was unsure that was going to be the case because they like waited until like literally yesterday to actually call him their starter. But I don't know. If we're talking about wacky things, like I can't just can't just go straight down the fairway on this one. I, I Danny, can I take I like that? It. Can I take that Absolutely. wacky take and bring it into my take kitchen <laughs> and put some spices on it and send Uh-oh. it back sure. to you with this? Yeah. Oh boy. Even wackier. The Eagles make the playoffs, but it's with Gardner Minshew. Oh, no, no, don't do no. You're I'm just saying, re, the, the, the realistically wacky, that's not like impossible. How did I not see that coming? I, when you were talking about the spice, I was like, ooh, what could it be? I, I, Hurts I makes him first six games, gets hurt, something happens, and then our guy Gardner comes in, just lights <laughs> it up, goes eight and two down you, the stretch. You can't quit him. I can't. I think I, I just can't believe. He didn't, they didn't even trade a draft pick for him. It was like a conditional sixth. He has to like hit these. How? That reflects the NFL's perception of him, Bill. But that's insane. He was decent last, or the last two years. Like for the situation he was in. I, I'm, listen, I'm on Minshew Island. It's super cheap here. We don't have electricity. I have a roof over my head. There's nobody else here, but. I'm happy to have a place here. I still believe in you, Gardner Mitchell. Love it. Uh, Mina, anything to plug other than your pod that I've never been invited on? 
It's the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. Open invitation. Um, and yeah, Mondays, Tuesdays, Fridays, NFL Live. Then, Danny, you, we can read you on the ringer.com. You have some NFL content, but the Ringer Fantasy Show, which is a very good podcast, you Thank guys you. are going to be cranking four times a week this year. Yeah. Exciting stuff. We're going to be doing some uh, green rooms too. Um, yeah. Check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Oh, yeah. Mm. Check that out too. I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three drafts in a row, three different yes. days. My wife is so happy. <laughs> so delighted to hear. Can I come on the show when I win our league again? Yeah. If, if. It's a conditional yes, invite. Danny. Of course. Come on. Of course. Well, now it's I'm good, rooting for Danny. It's good content. It's good content. <laughs> I'm rooting for Danny to win his league, and I'm rooting for the Ravens to go 5-12. and 12. Those are the two <laughs> things I'm going to refer that are involved in Patriots. Mina, it was great to see you. Danny, it was great to see you as well. Thanks for uh, coming up. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for the podcast. Thanks to Peyton Manning. Thanks to Danny Kelly and Mina Kimes. Don't forget about the full go launching probably 10 days or so. Ringer Fight Night launching on Friday. Sign up now. Be ready for Ariel and Chuck and Pizzi. And then the Ringer Gambling Show, which launches on, I think, Monday next week with Sharp and Verno. Um, you can listen to that one as well. And then the rewatchables. I did have an assignment for you for Labor Day. Chris Ryan and I, as I told you, we're doing the Calderon's Return two-part episode, which is uh, basically the fourth and fifth episodes of Miami Vice. So if you want, if you want to really fully enjoy it, I would recommend watching the pilot and then watching Calderon's Return Part One and Two. It's three hours of your life. There's no football this weekend. If you don't like it, your money back, even though it's free. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So there you go. This podcast is produced by Kyle Creighton. I will see you on Sunday night. Guess the lines. I think is this season sixteen, season fifteen? God, so many guess the line seasons. But we're doing it Sunday night. Me and Sal. I will see you then. Enjoy the weekend. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.